Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 5 from the book, The Tire Tracks, by James W. Knox. True Stories of Childhood, Adventure, Exploration, and Friendship. Chapter 5, A Running Ghost. James used to have a terrible nightmare that came over and over again to trouble him just at the place where Fairway Drive ended and the tire tracks began. His father and mother and sister and brother would park a white station wagon car with brown wood paneling. This was a very special car. When James' father lifted the hood, there was not an engine inside but a big cooler full of ice cream and soft drinks. Hanging from the hood were racks filled with bags of candy, chips, cookies, and snacks. James could take anything he wanted from this treasury and as much as he desired. There they would be laughing and running about, eating and drinking goodies from under the hood of that unusual car, when suddenly someone would scream. This was because down the tire tracks and out of the woods came a giant bear walking on its hind legs and growling and roaring and swinging its huge front paws with long claws wildly through the air, tearing molecules and atoms to bits of bits. The golden bear looked just like the one that stood in an appliance store in the city where James' family went to shop. Only this one was alive. They would all race in terror to close the hood, get in the car, start the engine, and speed away just a nick of time before the bear ate them alive. It never occurred to anyone in that dream that the bear might have just wanted the potato chips or the ice cream. That dream was so scary that for many nights after it came to James, he would be afraid to go to sleep. Anyway... No matter how bad a nightmare might be, you always get to wake up, and when you do those things which were making you so afraid are gone, poof, like they never existed at all. Many times James and Kyle encountered things while they were exploring and wished they could just wake up and poof, have them disappear, but daymares are much worse than nightmares. One fine day, as winter moved out and spring moved in, the boys were heading down the main trail through the prairie lands, wondering when people first ran out of names for things. What started this were the little green seed pods that would leap from the plants on which they grew and stick to your socks and shoe strings and pant, le pant, pant legs. Remember... This was an early spring day, not a summer day, so the boys had on shoes and socks and long pants. Those little green things that stick to socks have a name, but not much of one. Hey, Kyle, James said as he stopped to pick some of the green pods from his laces. Do you know what they call these things? Sure, Kyle answered. Stick tights. Man, it must have taken a genius to think of that one said James sarcastically. Of course, we know they stick, but what are they? Yeah, 
why are, aren't they called mesmerthismums, Kyle said, or xenomigos, James replied, or lupilatus, or huffenberries, or jumpin' barbers, or rolodablins, and this thing thinking up of names continued for quite some time, but you can be sure that, unlike grown-ups, the boys did not run out of names. Just stick tights is easier, Kyle finally admitted. Sure, James answered, but you don't call an apple a red or a banana a yellow. Those things have names. Then Kyle started laughing, that special laugh he had when he thought of something James had not. But they call an orange an orange. Just then a blackbird flew right past their heads. They looked at the bird, looked at each other, and burst out laughing. A blackbird, said James. What should we call it? Kyle stood up, tried to look real serious and deep in thought. Then he held one finger high in the air and announced, Let's call it a blackbird. Oh, this was too funny. Off they went down the trail, giving new names to everything they passed. There were no more trees. They were now called straight with branches, wood leaves. There was no more grass. It was now green-pointed ground growers. They no longer said the sky is blue. They just looked up at the blue. No longer were the clouds but white floaters. Soon the boys found it was almost as hard to not name things as it was to name them. It never seemed to occur to them that names like Main Road, East Road, and West Fork were less than imaginative when they got a kick out of grown-ups. Grown-up names like Rocky Mountains and Smoky Mountains and Green Mountains. These were the days when two boys could have a wonderful time just being two boys. And they were having a wonderful time. Then, in the blink of an eye, everything changed. They were riveted to the ground. Both of them saw a form round a bend in the trail about 200 yards ahead of them. It was running toward them at a very high rate of speed. It was all white. White like not snow. White like not notebook paper. White like a ghost. The boys watched for a moment in terror. They were hoping it might vanish like a nightmare. It did not. They were hoping it might turn aside into the prairies. It did not. On where it ran, looking straight ahead, its speed never changed. Its expression never changed. It was coming right toward them. Too scared to say a word, the boys fought through their terror and threw themselves into the tall grass beside the trail and began crawling on their hands and knees as fast as they could, away from the path of the ghost. If you are wondering what they were thinking, they were not thinking anything. Having frozen when they saw the ghost, their bodies thawed out enough for them to find a hiding place, but their brains had not thawed out. There was no time to think. Perhaps it was best. Who wants to think about a ghost when it is running right toward you? As soon as Kyle and James thought they were far enough from the trail to be safe from the eyes of the ghost, how they knew 
the proper distance remains a mystery. They turned about, lying on their bellies, trying to be no taller than the ground itself, and faced the trail. Then they raised their heads, slowly, very slowly, just in time to see the pale white form go streaking past. They felt a wave of dread sweep over them and pass by with the ghost. They watched as it ran on down the trail, never slowing down, never speeding up, never changing its motion. James had never seen a real live ghost before. Kyle thought he saw one once, but now that he had watched this one go by, he was sure the other one was not a ghost because it did not look like this one. Motionless, they stared as the figure grew smaller. Silently, they beheld as it turned a bend and vanished from their sight. At once the spell was broken. A thousand words and phrases came pouring out at once. Did you see that? Kyle demanded. What was it? James questioned. Were you afraid? Kyle needed to know. Should we tell anybody? Who would believe us? James answered with a question. Both boys talked at once, and their ever-increasing volume was a real contrast to the stunned silence of a few minutes earlier. They ran to the trail to look for footprints. Of course, there were none, because a ghost does not leave footprints. They hurried up the trail to the place where the ghost had first come into view. There were no clues. Hal said, let's watch the ghost on instant replay. Then he pulled his white t-shirt over his head and began running down the trail. James laughed wildly, not just because Kyle could not see where he was going and kept running into the bushes, but because all the fear he had felt when the ghost went by was rushing out in relief. He was happy to still be alive. Then Kyle turned around and said, Ooh, I'm coming back. He meant it to be funny, but it was not funny at all. He stopped, stuck his head out the top of his shirt and said slowly, Coming back? That was something neither of them had considered. It was time to think about things. Their lives might depend on it. Okay, Kyle, why are we still here? Said James. There has got to be a good reason. I think we were so well hidden that the ghost could not see us, Kyle said confidently. Yeah, that's good, James said. Or maybe it ran by so fast it had not noticed us. What's the difference? Kyle asked. Well, sometimes you see things, but you are busy doing something else, so you don't pay attention, James answered. You mean like when I leave my shoes in the kitchen and my dad doesn't say anything because he's on the phone and then ten minutes later he hollers, Kyle, get these dirty shoes out of the kitchen! Exactly. Oh no, Kyle sighed. What if that ghost was on its way to get somebody and didn't have time for us? Catching his meaning, James joined in, and as soon as he is done with them, he's going to come back for us. It probably doesn't does no good at all to scream at the top of your lungs when you are in the middle of the woods, miles and miles from anyone who can help you, but they did. And of course, it did not do any good, but they both felt better and were ready to get down to some serious planning. They could not just run home because the ghosts had taken the trail leading to their houses. They could have taken another route, but 
not knowing where the ghost had gone, they still might run right into it, and walking in circles and thinking and talking out loud and trying to decide what was best, the boys came up with a bold and daring plan. They decided they would head for home, watching very carefully for the return of the ghost, and if it appeared, they would turn things around, they would scare the ghost. That sounds like a crazy idea, Kyle argued. We can't outrun him because he never gets tired, James reasoned. We can't trip him or spear him or knock him down. I guess you are right, Kyle said with resignation, adding anything we throw at him will go right through him. Good point, James agreed, hoping to bolster the spirits of his friend. Our only hope is to make him more afraid of us than we are of him. It was easy to speak confidently when the ghost was nowhere to be seen. Not much of a hope, Kyle murmured, but it is a hope. So they started for home, and there was something inside the boys that made them want to see that ghost again, though they would not say it out loud. No matter how terrifying it might be, no matter what it might do to them, there was just something so exciting about not only seeing a ghost, but trying to scare one more than it scared you that was irresistible. As they walked along, both being overcome with the same feeling of wild adventure, James whispered, Get that ghost. Kyle whispered back, Get that ghost. Then together, Get that ghost. Louder the next time, louder still. Now they were marching in step like soldiers in drill, chanting in bold cadence, Get that ghost! Yes! Get that ghost! Get that ghost! Yes! Get that ghost! It was such great fun and made them feel so bold and powerful. On they marched, ready to take on the white form from the world of the dead, when, as if it had heard their challenge and had been drawn by their chanting, they saw far ahead a small white speck. Once the boys knew it was the ghost, it was running, and it was headed right toward them. Instantly, their chanting stopped, and their assurance vanished. But they did not panic, and their plan did not change. They would scare that ghost if it was the last thing they did, and it probably would be. At this particular place in the trail, the wheatgrass grew high. About four feet away from the trail, there was a ditch. It was about three feet deep, and it was dry. Without saying a word to each other, James and Kyle knew the plan. They leaped from the trail to the ditch so there would be no footprints showing that someone had gone from the trail to the ditch, and there would be no broken down grass to tip off the ghost. Into the ditch they sprang. Crouching down like lions, they made ready to pounce. They could not see far down the trail. But when the ghost got nearer, they would be able to catch a glimpse of its evil form. They watched. They waited. Time seemed to stand still. They trembled. They did not want to look at each other for fear the other one would find out the other one was afraid. But they did inch closer to each other, and as they had done many times and would do many times more, they leaned on each other just to say without saying, I'm here. You can count on me. Then the ghost came into view, all white, head to toe, running, steady, never looking to either side. 
it was after someone intent on finding helpless souls. Only this time it was after Kyle and James. They knew it. Closer came. Closer still. Very close. Only a few feet away. James whispered. One, two. Together they said, three. And leaping from their hiding place, they hurled themselves right into the path of the ghost and raising their arms and flailing them wildly, they screamed with all their might, Ah! They looked right into the face of the ghost. In a split second of time, too quick to measure, a dozen things happened. They happened so fast that the boys knew them, but did not have time to take them all in. In that instant, they saw the ghost halt. They saw real fear in its eyes. They knew they were going to live. The ghost slammed on its brakes right in front of them, looked right into the face of the boys, raised its arms, and flailing them wildly, the ghost now screamed with all its might, Ah! The ghost staggered and fell to the ground. Yes! Yes! James and Kyle began to shout, jumping up and down with, for joy. We won! We scared the ghost! What a celebration! Kyle was grabbing handfuls of grass and dirt and throwing them high into the air. James was pounding on his chest and flexing his arms like a prize fighter. We won! Yes! It was the magnificent exuberance that floods the soul when one has had expected to be destroyed, but now knows he has survived. Hurrah! shouted Kyle, leaping on one foot and then the other. Wow! Why did you do that? The ghost spoke. But no. Who? What? But how? Kneeling on one knee, panting and trying to regain his breath, was a man, a very pale man. He had on white tennis shoes and white pants. He had on a white sweatshirt, and in his hand was a white knit hat that had been removed so he could rub his head, and a head covered with black hair. You guys could have given me a heart attack. Why did you do that? You're not a ghost, James asked in amazement. A ghost? came the startled reply. Yeah, said Kyle. We thought you were a ghost running through the woods to get people. A ghost? was all the man could say as he collapsed onto the ground. There was a weird silence, the kind of silence that came each time the boys caught got caught doing something they knew they should not have done, but the kind of thing their fathers never exactly told them not to do. It was the silence of wondering if they were going to get in trouble, even though they did not really break a rule. It was that kind of silence. Finally, the man regained his composure. He told them his name was Jimmy, that he was on a football team, that he ran on the tire tracks to get in shape and that he most certainly was not a ghost. It seemed that everything the boys had imagined when they saw the white form go running by was wrong, except one thing. They sure did scare him more than he scared them. Not really sure what would happen next, Kyle said. We're sorry, mister. We just didn't want to get captured by a ghost. Have fun playing football, James said half-heartedly. As soon as they each had said something they hoped was nice. They broke into a run and headed toward home. It seemed they were not sure if it was a danger was as dangerous to meet 
up with a man who was angry because you had scared him than with a running ghost, but they had no desire to find out. As they passed the lone pine tree and headed south, Kyle shifted into his philosopher's persona. Seems to me nightmares and daymares scare, scare us with what is not real because what is real is not so scary. Agreed, good chap, James replied, and I've got a thought for you. Oh, do say on, said Kyle with an accent belonging to no people or language. Just pleased he got to use a phrase he had seen on a long-forgotten program and had wanted to use ever since. James said matter-of-factly, when something scares you, just plant your feet, stand your ground, and scare it more than it scares you. Exactly, Sir James, said Kyle, still in the accent, and allow me to add one more word of noble wisdom. Oh, do continue, said James. Kyle said flatly, tonight I sleep with the lights on. Hmm. Next time, chapter 6, The Snake Bird or The Bird Snake. And you can find this book on the church website at www.jameswnox.org along with many other books that James Knox has written.